An excerpt from Bad Apple by Christina V. Slowly I forget and my heart starts vanishing, and suddenly I see that I can't break free. Am I hurting? Am I sad? Should I stay or should I go? I've forgotten how to tell. Did I ever even know? Can I take another step? I've done everything I can. All the people that I see, I will never understand. If I find a way to change, if I step into the light, then I'll never be the same, and it all will fade to white. Imagine that Janet Jackson's Together Again is playing softly in the background, but we can't use it. I wanna be together again, right? Well, it's close enough. Hello. You may call me Mayor. Oh, you're the Mayor, hello. Can I help you with anything? Yes. Can you retrieve Harbinger for me? I need her sword. He didn't mean he's not a halfling. He meant he's not one of her halflings. Whoa! Dragons are halflings. Or at least the papa dragon is. So what now? We're going to leave them. Oh, what? We're going to leave Harbinger. I'm sorry, what? But Like, they're dead, like, dead dead, like, gone. I guess we just keep going then. We have to keep going. So, we just gotta find Aurealis again. If I've learned anything, it's that... She can't do anything to me. Where'd your arm go? Uh, don't worry about it. Where did half of your chest go? Don't worry about it. And what happened to your face? Basically indestructible. Hmm, we need a plan. Without Harbinger, we don't really have a direction. Well, we got two towers. There's one left. Right. Yuri, Harbinger, like, took notes, right? I am positive. There was, like, a... If Yuri had took notes, they would be back in the wreckage of the pumpkin patch. Pan, you, yeah? can, you can survive the desert, right? If you want to call it surviving, yeah. You cannot die in the desert, right? Yeah, there we go. Oh, wait, are you planning on walking back out to the glass desert? I mean, why not? We can go get all of our leather jackets. And Harbinger had all those weird magic things going on, so maybe there's something in there that can help us. Maybe. You know what? We're doing this. Hold on, first of all, we gotta meet this orc we, we've been standing in this call. This is a good plan. You get a new arm, get a bunch of arms. I don't know. I'm going back to the glass desert. I'm going back to our ship. I'm getting our stuff back, because god damn it, if I'm going to be an idiot who just magically survives everything, I'm going to put that to good use. Well, at least take my triceratops. Wait, what? what? Gislin is now screaming inside his own head about all the stuff he has to add to his rune about. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna run out with space. We have a lot of catching up to do. Seriously. Hello. You're all quite talkative. I hope you're not. Who are you? I am Zeno. Then why do you want her here? And why do you want to know the location of all the orcs? I haven't seen my children in so long. You made the orcs? I made all of them. I'm asking around the city as to where Diver lives because I remember Harbinger mentioning that name. I have nothing to say to a thief. 
So you sneak back in to see Diver heading down, down, down into their column. And then they keep going down. And they keep going down. That crying that you kept hearing in the back of your mind the entire time you were in the column city. It's getting louder, isn't it? Well, you can hear it with your actual ears now. Oh. The elevator stops above a lake. Above the sealed sea. And every direction you look is water. Except for one. In one direction, you see an orb of eyes that is crying. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. Pop-Tart. Hello. The massive chasm around you is pitch black, with no light outside of the little stone platform you and Diver sit on. There's a little lantern down here, another at the top where the elevator started. But beyond the reach of the light, you don't see any cavern walls within sight. The size of this chamber is unbelievably massive. I mean, I am a tiny frog at the moment, so everything's massive. That's true, so it's even bigger to you, yeah. There's the perspective scale. But there's one thing you can see here. Okay. Uh, You can see the bases of the columns above. The columns from the city stretch down from the ceiling of the cavern all the way into the water and continue even past that. This massive room is dense with stone columns. The entire city is basically duplicated down here in reverse, all stretching down, down into the water. The columns are much taller than you'd thought. Cool. The only thing breaking up this field of darkness and columns and endless water is a distorted halfling. An orb of swirling water and eyes, it floats above the little stone platform, no more than five meters away from you and Diver. It is softly crying, and tears drip from the creature into the water below. Diver claps his hands together twice, holding them up towards Guardian in a prayer. He bows his head quietly. What's up? Do I know this hobbling? You have never seen them before. Um, they are named Guardian. You don't know that because it hasn't introduced itself, but it's named Guardian. Okay. And it's a strange creature. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like other halflings. It is a water halfling, so you feel that bond there. Okay. But that's it. That's all you got. Okay, I'm going to sit and just sort of watch for a little bit and see what it does in, in response to whatever Diver is doing. Okay. After praying for a moment, Diver has started to glow, a soft yellow-green glow. And a spotlight is shining out from his circular mask. Um, With his prayer over, Diver just flops off the platform, landing into the water with a splash. It is not graceful or impressive. I could do better than that. You see his glow against the surface, and you see the glow begin to diminish as he descends, descends into the depths of the sealed sea. And the orb continues to cry and sob softly. And you recognize it now. This is the crying you have felt the entire time you've been here. Okay. It's just always been in the back of your mind and you kind of zoned it out. Well, here it is. This is what was doing it. Okay, I'm going to very slowly go back to regular Halfling Pop-Tart and, like, make sure that 
the other halfling can see me, or at least that I am in their field of vision. Several of their eyes swivel towards you, yes. And I'm going to walk slowly towards them with sort of my hand, like both of my hands held out as if to say, you know, I'm not holding anything, I'm not here to hurt you. It speaks. Seems to be a language barrier here. Okay. Um. Can they hear me? Like, can they understand what I'm saying? What do you say? Who are you? Several of its eyes start to form into mouths. Ooh, okay. Stay calm. Let's not offend the halfling. And it says. I am Guardian. Your language is difficult. Oh, then I have an idea. Um, I'm going to sit down and use one of my pit traps to create a pool of water and just use my cool water powers to sort of shape it into, like, pictographs. Okay. An arrow pointing to myself and then, you know, a frog and then a river. And then an arrow pointing to Guardian, as if to say, and you. Guardian finds this interesting and kind of like floats closer to you and next to your little puddle. And starts to shape it also. It forms the shape of eyes plus water plus a shape you don't recognize. Question mark? That A shape that water shouldn't be able to make. Okay, just big, you know, watery question mark above my head. Pop-Tart's having fun with this. I have been here a long time. Did you want to be? There is nowhere else I can be. There's always somewhere else. Why can you only be here? It directs your it pulls your puddle into the water and your your little puddle of lighter water against the dark inky black water descends as if it's pointing down. I'm going to follow it. Okay. I'm a frog. I can I can do this. Yeah. You hop into the water. And you look below you, and you can see Diver glowing. They're still sinking. This is a deep, deep sea. But also down there, you see swirling through the darkness many limbs and mouths and branches and all sorts of shapes swirl and twist around. As far as you can tell, the entire floor of this cavern is a single creature. Okay. And you can see all of the columns from above are puncturing it. Oh, I understand. I understand. Okay. So I'm going to come back to the surface and, like, look at Guardian and just be like, that must really hurt. No. It is not pain. Just Trapped. You can't get out because the towers are keeping you pinned to the bottom of the sea. 
Yes. I want to help you. That's nice of you. No. Uh, what are the pillars made from again? They're made from this unnatural looking stone that's that glistens white. So it's earth. It's rock. It is stone, yes. Okay. What I would like to you to do is for only the second time in this campaign, use Earth Friend. You gonna like hop to one of the columns and shape it out of space place? No, because that would only remove one of the columns. What I'm going to do is swim to the bottom, like the very, very bottom. Okay. And ask the sea to lower itself. That way none of the columns get damaged. Interesting. Okay. You're going to make more space for it so it can just get out from under the columns. Yeah, and the columns won't be hurt because there are people in those. I don't want them to suffer. Yeah. And plus... Um, if I moved all of those, there would be probably be like an earthquake or something. You might collapse the city that is built upon them, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Alright, you swim on down. Let me find my dice. Yeah, get your dice. Um, you're not gonna roll just yet, because there's a few obstacles before you can even get to the earth. Yay! For one, there is a giant flesh god down here. Okay. The... Guardian above is basically a halfling of this god. It is all of the columnists' beliefs about this god manifested as something they can talk to and pray to. Because they can't really talk and pray to the flesh god itself, because it's this massive sprawling thing down here. Guardian is basically a halfling that's an extension of this thing. Okay. So as you get down here, and you swim down below to the flesh god itself. Well, Diver's down here, and you see what Diver is doing. Okay. You remember normal dog and, like, the wing beast and the hoof beast and all the weird beasts? Mm-hmm. Diver is harvesting them. Oh. Diver is snipping off little pieces of the flesh god and is currently carrying, like, some sort of beast, like a claw beast right now, let's say. And we'll be bringing it back up for a columnist to make use of. So is this like... Okay, let's see if I can get a handle on this situation. Is this like making cuttings from a plant where it doesn't hurt it or anything like that? Pretty much, yeah. It's like pruning the excess bits. Okay, good. I'm not witnessing organ harvesting here. No, 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 no. This thing is massive beyond comprehension, and as far as you can tell, it is constantly growing. Okay. And it's always growing new bits of any kind of life at all. It's, it is a single creature, but as far as you can tell, it's an entire ecosystem by itself. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to disturb this thing. However, this does mean there is no way to get to the surface. Because the entire surface is a flesh god. Hmm. There is no earth below it that you can... Well, that you can reach. Presumably there is eventually earth below it. But how deep down is that? Is the flesh god a halfling? It is not. No, okay. Guardian is a halfling of the flesh god, and basically it's mouthpiece. 
but the flesh god itself is not a halfling. It is some extra-dimensional otherly thing. And as you know from the halfling episode, uh, Utopia tried to kill it once and failed. And in response to that, the flesh god made the glass desert. It stole all the water and took it all here. And now water cannot exist around it, except here. Hmm. Now this is quite a pickle. Yeah. It might not have a solution. I'm not expecting you to solve this dilemma. <laughs> At least not on your own. You could maybe talk to everyone else first and go touch base. You could come back to this problem. So the flesh god itself is just like a solid object, or is it just like an amalgamation of limbs and stuff? Like, theoretically, could I move through the limbs like I like you would move for a crowd? Theoretically, however, they are all still attached to each other, so it is it is basically a solid object. It gets it gets dense enough that that wouldn't be possible. Hmm. And it's not even very deep that it gets that dense. It's basically an entire wall of different types of things. See, I have an idea, but it requires something I don't have yet. Alright. Could you come back with that thing? Yes, but Pop-Tart doesn't know they're going to get it. Joey does. Oh, okay. Yeah, while you're swimming in place and thinking Diver is gathering a couple more beasts, basically... Um, like pruning the tips of the tentacles that are writhing up from the thing to just grab whatever's there. So it isn't growing forever. I mean, that's nice. So what I was thinking is, and this is Joey cleverness at work, I think, part of one of the customs I was going to take with Pop-Tart's destiny is that their body becomes amorphous and becomes water. Oh yes, the, the world, the water world. Ability. I can't remember the exact name of it. Something like that. I think it's like my body is water or something yeah. like that. My body is an ocean. There we go. Yes, there we go. We got that. And what I was thinking was, if if and when I have that, I could just turn into water, like, sort of merge myself with the water of this sea and just flow through the limbs. You could do that, yes. You aren't there yet, though. You're not that powerful yet. Yeah. Freeing the flesh god would be like a campaign goal level thing to do. It's not It's not a problem I expect a single player to solve. Okay. But with that in mind, like, Pop-Tart is having this thought, like, if I was, like, if I could turn into water, I could do this. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little sad that I can't, like, directly help this little halfling yet. But, I have, I have a little bit of hope that eventually, I will be able to. Actually, I think I should mention a little thing here then. Uh, so as you think about merging with the water, you realize that it's... It doesn't... It's, for one thing, it's a sea, it's not a river. That might be part of it. But it feels like this water is too... Too detached from you for you to be able to do that yet. Yeah. Like, if it was your river, you might be able to do it. But not this, not yet. Wait, if it was my river? You can't make your river this big. No. Okay. Um, back to... Back to Pop-Tart size. Yeah. I learned a thing last episode. Okay. 
And that is that I bleed my river. Oh god. We did learn that last episode. So what if, like, I probably still have, like, a little sort of wound. Oh god, this is such a bad idea. Like, I probably still have a wound on my hand from where I basically cut it. Yeah, so there's, like, little droplets of your river just in the water here already. Yeah, so I've been merging with this sea the entire time I've been down here. Okay. I will say if you bleed your entire self out into nothingness that that will not be a good idea. No, I I (laughs) I just want to say. (laughs) I don't intend to do that, but maybe just put a little bit of myself in here. Just a little. Just enough. Okay. So I'm just gonna, like, sit and, you know, be gross and, like, squeeze the wound and watch the water come out. I assume it looks different to the water that's around me. Like, it's probably lighter and less thick. Yes. It isn't literally, like, choking with algae and shadow and life. Okay, this is probably a terrible idea, but let's do it. Yeah, roll to get away. This is plus grace. Uh, what is my- my grace is plus two. Yeah, your grace is good. My grace is at least plus two. I got five. (laughs) Alright. So that's seven. Alright, so that's a seven. So you can choose uh, one of the following. You can get there quickly avoiding harm or quietly avoiding attention. As you basically turn yourself into water, like a bubble of water, and try to squeeze through the flesh god's body. I'm going to go with without attracting attention because I don't want Diver to notice that I'm basically desecrating their god. Okay. Well, pick two stats to damage as you are literally, like, swimming through flesh, which includes all sorts of nasty things. Claws and fingernails and teeth. Okay, I'll take courage because that does literally nothing. Um, so that's basically a freebie. Yeah. And... I will take blood because I literally bled to do this. I probably won't be able to do it again. That's fair, yes. Okay. Such a poor idea. Yeah, it is. You don't even know. You swim through the flesh god for what feels like forever. And when you pop out, it isn't earth at the bottom. Oh no. You find yourself in a starry sky, looking up at an alien world. Cool. The flesh god is large beyond comprehension, and this isn't the only place it exists. You just swam through to another planet. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. Today, we are returning to Yuria and Gislin. Uh, when we last left off, Yuria, you were being operated on by Zeno, the the columnist orc. Yeah, kind of a rush, uh, rush decision, getting surgery all of a sudden, but I'm sure I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, what exactly are we getting done, by the way? I'm not clear as to the nature of your improvements. So as we all know, Yuria's arm was stripped from Hexed long ago. And, well, it was also kind of... basic. Yeah. It was mainly functional. (laughs) So 
fell off screen before all the lights went off and stuff. Yuria laid out some plans about what she wanted, so we have a sort of a base. So the basic is that it's shaped once again like a red panda arm, and there's you know modules and stuff, wiring and stuff set up, so she can now finally feel it again. It also has some really wicked lines, so basically a uh, demi fiend from Shin Megami Tensei. One of his arms, so you got these glowing bits coming down. Okay. And I think that's going to be also playing into because we discussed about switching some gear around, so... Yeah, so so it has pans now? The, the paw hands? Yeah. Uh, does it have, like, synthetic fur on it or anything, or is it just the... Is it still exposed metal? Yeah, uh, yeah, so... So the, um... Like I said with the Demi-Fiend, it's, um... You got the exposed metal going down, like, racing stripes, which is really neat. It also glows a bit, just a little bit. Okay. But then it's got synthetic fur on the other places. And, now, uh, Because it's also still, uh, prosthetic, it's... It's got some nice little storage space, and that's where Yuria's going to keep her medical supplies from now on. Ah, the improved vape rig. You got it. And let's see what else. Oh, also because I haven't chosen my uh, level up feature from last time, I'm putting a plus three in descent, so her ear's getting a little bit of work too. It's going to basically have a nice little visor that pops out in front of her eyes. Okay, so you got like a scouter going on. Yeah. That's a good justification for a plus three in sense, I feel like. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good to me. So we're talking about the weapon deal. Because uh, we don't really have any mounts anymore, we don't use them. So, the spare weapon. I believe we said Pan had a burning ranged fire, uh, burning ranged reload. Yes, that, those are the tags on Pan's fire. We're going to have that merged with uh, her wrench. I mean, I know we got virus axe, but um, I think it might be better to return that. Okay. So you turned your wrench into, like, a magic fire wand. Pretty much. This is going to be fun. Excellent. So while Zeno's working on you, do you have any questions for him? Oh, I... You know, there's something that's been bugging me. You know, I just can't help but notice that, you know, something about you kind of matches up with history, so my one question is... Well, I don't want to sound accusatory or anything. I'll, I'll be perfectly open. So why, so why? Why what, Yuria? Why were you previously an overlord? <laughs> well, I didn't intend to be some mythical overlord figure. If that's what you're asking, I wanted to make life. That's that's all. I wanted to create things, and I could not be contained. The orcs were my successes. I created a variety of life with their own unique means of defending themselves and harvesting energy and continuing their own existences and a variety of interesting and complicated ways. Each was a creative challenge to put together. It was fulfilling. They were intended to be standalone pieces. There wasn't supposed to be more. They weren't supposed to last forever or continue on. But they were success 
so successful at their assigned tasks and their assigned abilities, they went on to nearly conquer the world. They turned on me when I refused to make more of them. That when I when they found out that they were the last of their line, and I did not intend to make more. I believe at that point I died. However, the Xeno you speak to now, me, I am a copy of that genius. The final orc that they made before, I don't know, running off. I never saw them again. Presumably the original Overlord Doctor died then, but whatever. Huh. His genius lived on in me, the orc that is a tower and cannot move. So in a strange, sick, ironic twist, they kind of made another orc, but... I mean, Xeno's genius could not be contained, so it does not surprise me. But my story and his story are separate after that, and I do not know what happened after my creation. Except that he's certainly dead. It's been like 300 years. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> Elves live a long time, but he wouldn't have made me if he expected to go on, would he? Yeah, that would probably get a little awkward for a while. So, it kind of sounds like to me, the original reason was because, well, I don't know if I should say you or he, but... They're interchangeable. I suppose the original cause was that you just wanted to. You had the choice. I could. Yes. I did it because I could. You just looks forward. You don't even know the fact that it kind of made for a bit of a nasty war. The war was not the intention. The war was a side effect. Right. Which, of course, might be why I was an evil overlord in the eyes of history. But Wrath put an end to me. They directed the orcs, rallied the people, and led to my demise. I assume. Well, I certainly know it's a thing or two about dying, so... <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, I guess. Having a choice and... Hmm. Sometimes you don't need an explanation for the things that you do, Yoria. You can just do them. Yuri's gonna go silent for a bit, but she gives, uh, almost assured that nod. Yeah. So, what does Gislin think of all of that, if anything? I know he's not much of a thinker. I think Gislin is gonna be in, like, serious mode and not, like, kind of half pretending to be a lovable oaf mode so that these people trust me too much. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, like, pretty quietly standing in the observation gallery is what I'm going to talk about. I think we can cut now to post-surgery. Yuria, your cool new arm is complete. Your scouter eye is also complete. It's like a... You know, it's deployable. It goes back and forth. It's really neat. Yeah. Up to you whether or not... Uh, Zeno opened you up to mess with your organs too or not. Because there are a bunch of robotic bits in there also. Might have had to then some optimization in there because 
I'm sure that there's something that happened when her heart was reset at the bottom of the fog ocean. Sure. He does some fixing up and basically putting you back together slightly better, but Raph did a pretty good job at your insides, actually. Yeah. Surprisingly. I see Wrath is continuing to try to make more orcs. I'm not really sure what to think about the fact that, yes, my life was saved by her. It's definitely a complicated feeling. Yeah. My life may have been saved, but it wasn't in... But she tried to return my life in the way she wanted. Yep. As any parent would. As any overprotective parent does. I can't believe she didn't throw Viria out because she was probably a shitty teenager at the time. Probably. <sighs> Thank you so much. This... I gotta say, I finally feel like somebody. You've always been somebody. I know, but I feel like me. Well, I hope you go on to do great things, Yuria. I think as soon as the surgery's over in, like, the upper observation deck, Gislin, who has been, like, quietly and methodically taking notes on quite a lot, is going to quietly slip out the front door while everybody is still distracted, but they still got all the juicy mechanical knowledge that they wanted. Yeah. You learned a bunch of cool new tricks. Yeah, that uh, that cool rune that Gislin has been working on is just about complete, and this might just be the ideal time to finish it, with the frog down below, and the panda, like, doing the whole emotion thing about being a thing or whatever, and the other one gone. <laughs> and the other one. Look, I'm very in character. Point is, Gislin is going to sneak out, tuck away lots and lots of notebooks full of notes on ideas for constructing some brand new beautiful arms and sneak away and finish up the rune and um, wonder why it isn't working and curse and scratch a bit out and then finish the rune again and probably continues that a couple times until eventually rune bursts into light and like the, the rune bursts into light and like coalesces into like a tiny bird basically made out of light like a messenger pigeon made out of light, but it's also kind of fat and pudgy because this is not an expertly made light bird or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really, really round with tiny wings. It's adorable, frankly. You did you did a great job, Gislin. This is Gislin's first summoning. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations, Gislin. Anyway, so yeah, the messenger light bird is going to head off to go tonight with details of all the stuff. And uh, meanwhile, Gislin is going to, like, look around at the giant rune around him and be like, oh, shit, I gotta, um, hmm. <laughs> and then just start, like, punching the ground and throwing <laughs> throwing chunks of throwing chunks of stone over the edge and just being like, oh, guess they're uh, doing some new construction over here. <laughs> and then whistle and walk off. So, Yuria, you, you make it out of Zeno. You are now free to explore the Column City as you'd like. Oh, but does Zeno still... He still wants me to find and direct orcs back to him, right? Yes, if you see an orc, yeah, it would be nice to see them again. Yuria will keep her promise, and when the time comes to face wrath, well, 
We'll come. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Anyway, where the hell is Gizlin? Where the hell is Pop Tart? Where the hell is Pan? Isn't he back yet? Doesn't he have super speed? I mean, I feel like Pan is the one you'd least expect because your surgery took like a day, and you know it's like a two-day, three-day walk across the glass desert. Yeah, this is interesting now because it's definitely like Yuria alone in the Column City for like a full day. Yeah, it'll be like three days before everyone gets back. Oh, dang! Oh dear. Well, well, I better find Gizlin at least since. Pop-Tart will turn up soon enough, I think. And they're usually... Well, they're troublesome, but they're not going to cause major collateral damage like a certain elf. They're not going to cause any, like, lasting harm or damage to the society that we all work in. Or that we're all in. Yeah, so I'm just going to go around and say, Boy, I sure love this ketchup! (laughs) Normally that would be a surefire thing, but for some reason it's eerily silent on the columns on the subject of condiments today. Huh. I bet if you wander around just like thinking, now if I was Gislin, where would I go? And you just kind of like, uh, th- th- over here, and you like find it immediately because Gislin's bad at hiding things. <laughs> you find like an, a, a giant, punched out, obviously unnatural crater in the middle of a top of a column off in the outskirts. And like, I would say that your arm, maybe it clicks like a Geiger counter or something, but it definitely picks up a whole bunch of magic. Oh, that's right, Yuri is, uh... Ooh, I pull up... Yeah, I think that Yuri is getting a little good at sense of magic, but she still needs the colonist's eye, I feel like. What if the colonist's eye was incorporated into your new scanner? Oh, that's good! Yeah, what if it's just, like, in your elbow or something? No, I was thinking, like, the, the scanner yeah. that comes down over Yuri's eye is the glass eye. Oh, damn. Yeah. All right, all right. That'd be perfect, yeah. She's gonna test it out now. And I think that the magic you would see is a lot of, like... Okay, here's a big burst of energy that summons something, and here's like, oh shit, somebody very magical flew down here extremely quickly, grabbed somebody, and then flew away extremely quickly again. Oh, we're, we're saying that night already took you? Yeah, honestly, I was, I've been thinking about it a little bit, and I feel like if Knight was going to p- react to this letter and pick up Geislin from enemy lines, she would do so by like, swooping by at the speed of light and picking him up before he really even has a chance to notice. And I realize that robs some of the dramatic tension out of this, but there's no saying they can't just be back in a few seconds with, like, well, not a few seconds, but they can't be back before the end of the Column City segment with some new weapons in hand to be a new boss fight and whatever. Okay, yeah. Does Yuria detect that this is Knight's magic? I feel like columnist magic is columnist magic, you know? It's all kind of the same magic here. Oh, I got a better idea. What if some passerby said, Oh, did you see Knight is back? And she's gone again. Eh, that girl's always coming and going. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Fly as fast as you can, Knight. You can't outrun the gossiping tongues of the Column City. (laughs) (laughs) So, the day before all this... Uh, Yuria was writing a letter for Pop-Tart, because Pop-Tart never learned how to write. Frogs don't need to know literacy. Have you ever met a literate frog? I haven't. I'm a little more scared now about the fact I was letting you pilot the ship. I was navigating by my water sense. I was very explicit about this. How many zones did we land in a no-parking area? 
Uh, don't worry about it. Besides, like, if somebody put a ticket on the pumpkin patch, like, we're never gonna find it, so it doesn't matter. Okay. So, Pop-Tart. Hello. I believe you started by dictating the letter to Yuria. I sure did. Good fun. In letters like this, people normally apologize for seeing someone as an enemy and for fighting them with the goal of ridding the world of that evil. I'm not writing this to do that. I make no apologies for protecting the world I love by whatever means necessary. Given the chance, what I know now, and the time we spent together, I would still fight for this world with the same fire and determination in my heart, even if it meant destroying you. However, I will apologize for one thing. I never showed you the proper respect as a warrior and as a man. You helped me when nobody else could. You could have left me to die, but you didn't. Without you, I would still be lost in the desert, patiently waiting for Looking Glass to take me. It takes a strong man to put aside his allegiances to help someone in need, and by your deeds you have proven that you are, indeed, the strongest elf alive. But that's not my only purpose in writing this. My friends, my brother and I, are still on our quest to unfreeze this world. This world and its people mean everything to me, and there are few things that I wouldn't sacrifice to save it. Thus, I come to you with a warning. If you continue to associate with Aurorealis, we will consider you an obstacle to be overcome. I know you well enough to know that that isn't something that'll scare you, but there's more. We will also consider night an obstacle, and all obstacles must be torn down. If you continue on this path, I will be forced to kill the woman you love. I don't want to cause you this pain. I don't want to rip her from your arms, but if I have to, I will. Yuria looks up after she writes these words. Pop-Tart, are you sure you want to try to appeal to Knight? Yes. Absolutely. Did you see what she did to Pan? Do you think he'll be fine with this? This isn't about him. It's... Look, no matter what they might have done to me, or Pan, or you, those two deserve to live peacefully as much as anybody else in the world. I'm a guardian. It's, it's what I do. I protect people. And if what I'm protecting them from is their own mistakes, then so be it. But that man saved my life. I owe him something. Also, I never really thought of those two as being together, but... You know, I am absolutely gay as hell, so what do I know about... that? I don't expect you to understand. And I don't... I won't judge you for not being able to. My experiences are my own, and those experiences are what have made me make this offer. I wouldn't do this lightly to just... to some idiot that we beat up. This is a man I consider a friend, and I want to give him another chance. Yeah, it just kind of rubs your temple. Alright, alright. Even if I... There are things I don't personally agree with. I know when to trust you, and that's pretty much... Always. It'll work out fine, don't worry. Alright, let's start... Let's see, so where do we start next? If you continue on this path, I will be forced to kill the woman you love. I don't want to cause you this pain. I don't want to rip her from your arms, but if I have to... 
I will. Nothing will stand in the way of this fellowship. We've come too far to stop now. But there is still a chance now. for you. There's still a chance for you to turn away from, from this. this. End your involvement with the no snow good. ghost. Uh, she'll bring you nothing but pain. Uh, I promise you, if you come to me a changed man, I will protect you. I will hide you in a safe place so that you can knight, can live out the rest of your lives in peace. And you'll be under the protection of the halfling Pop-Tart. And I'll give my life to save yours if it's necessary, as I would for anyone in regard. Yeah, there's always another way. What's more important to you, your angel knight or the infamy of ending the world? The choice, my friend, is yours. Pop-Tart. And Gislin just kind of stares at the letter for a second, and then crumples it up into a paper ball, and tosses it across the campfire he's sitting at tonight, who he was reading it out loud to. He's like, well, you know I'm shit at keeping secrets anyway, so I figured this would be easier. <laughs> <laughs>